Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. As we get ready to lift up our hearts, to prepare our hearts, when in Sunday school today, when Glenn was talking about that, that for, for our hearts to be willing, we have to be willing to abandon the way we think. And I keep hearing over and over again from the Spirit that are you willing to abandon the way you think? And, you know, Jesus said that to the guy, that the cripple that he went up to. He goes, do you want to be healed? And so many times we're like, yes, we want to be healed. Yes, we want to live in the promises of God. But sometimes we need to abandon the way we think And I'll give you an example. Sometimes, as Glenn was talking about in Sunday school, is we write, we write our list, and we've we've already predetermined how we want God to answer it, and we even have scripture to stand on. And as he was talking about it in Sunday school today, that's backwards. We need to first find out from God how he wants to accomplish his promise and ask him for his wisdom how you should pray and abandon the way that you think the situation needs to be resolved maybe i'm the only one in the room that's been guilty of that but there's been many times that i've gone to the lord and i've looked at the situation and i've i've determined okay this this part of the situation does not line up with the word of god so i go and i get my scriptures to pray over the situation see what we've done is that we have made the decision on how things are going to be accomplished and we're telling God that he needs to come into agreement with us. Now does that sound right? It doesn't, does it? So when and it was interesting because one of my favorite scriptures for years has been Amos 3 3. How can two walk together unless they agree? Well have you ever looked at your human heart or even other people's human hearts? And an example that God gave me today was years ago when we used to go up to the pastor's meeting at Andrew Walmack's, and it was before he has had his big sanctuary. And there was a big sign, and they would always announce it at the beginning, please do not bring drinks in the sanctuary. You know, they'd say, you can bring water, but do not bring anything else. Now, you wouldn't believe the people that would try to sneak in the drinks. And pastors. You know, pastors. And I know, pastors should know better, right? And, but they'd sneak in the drinks, and you'd see ushers coming over and tapping them and say, would you please take that outside of here? We've asked you not to bring. But what I want you to see is that if, if somebody in authority, you know, remember that Glenn's been talking and the Spirit of God has been telling us to have willingness in our hearts. If, if willingness is birthed in the laboratory of authority, it's tested there. So when we don't agree with somebody that's in authority over us, we don't agree with their, with their decision, we don't follow it. 
When you don't agree that the speed limit should only be 65 miles an hour out there, you don't follow it, right? You know, there's little things just like that in our lives. And what I'm hearing the Spirit of God say to me today for all of us is, are you willing to let God show you what's living in your heart and those times, and Glenn was laughing at me this last week because I was driving the car, and I wasn't paying attention, and I, I was above the speed limit, and normally I always set my... She was going down a hill. I always... 66 miles an hour. I always set my cruise. And, and so anyway, he was laughing because I went, and he goes, you know... God is kind of convicting me that on this willingness of heart because I don't agree that over 65 miles an hour is speeding. Sometimes I go. So there, what I'm trying to say is there's things in our own heart like that that we might think doesn't really matter. But we're hearing the Spirit of God say it does matter. And so this is between you and God. And I know I have those areas in my heart that, you know, if something just seems so ridiculous. In fact, that's probably been an area in my heart since 2020 when the pandemic came and they had, you know, all these rules with the mask and stuff. I really copped an attitude and God really was on me the whole time. And it was like, it doesn't matter who's right and wrong in this situation. It matters what was living in my heart. And so, you know, it was interesting because it kind of took me through a process. I got where, okay, I tried not to say it, but it still lived in my heart. I would try to, you know, go ahead and put it on. And then God would say, well, you know, your body languages. And it's like, wow, Lord, <laughs> you know, but see, as he was pointing out those things to me, I was realizing that he was like, he was serious about it. And he's serious about it now for all of us because of where he wants to take us. And we all want to go. We all want the promise. We all want to see the presence of God. We want to see the manifestation of God, but we want him to do it our way. And God is saying it's time for all of us to lay it down and open up our hearts and say, okay, God, start showing me what's living in my heart and how do you want to deal with it? Amen? Amen. Father, we just Thank come you, to you this morning. And Father, we lift up our hearts to you. And Father, we do want to be in that willingness, Father God. We want our hearts to be so surrendered to you that you're able to direct us any direction that you would have us to go, Father God. And so, Father, right now, we just ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would reveal to us the things that you want to reveal to us individually, Father God. And Father, I thank you that as you reveal that to us, that you give us the grace, the grace to walk, the grace to stand where you're asking us to stand. Father God, that we would never leave your character, Father, that we would never leave the character of God to prove a point, but that we would always stay surrendered because, Father, your word tells tells us that you resist the proud, but you give more grace 
to the humble. Amen. And Father, it's your presence. It's your grace. It's you that we truly want. It's you that we want to show this world who you truly are. And so, Father, I just thank you that today, as Pastor Glenn gives us the sermon, I thank you that your word will go forth out of his mouth, and it will burn within our hearts, and it will cause a fire and a holy passion to allow you to purify our hearts, Father God, so that, Father, we would choose to live from our spirit man and not from our fleshly man, that we would choose to stay humble to you and surrender to you, yield to you so that you could flow out of our lives out that, that you would be that we could be your hands your feet and your mouth father God we surrender to you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ amen amen thank you very much thank you very much well Tracy sometimes gets the luxury if that's what we call it um, to help me work through um, what God is, is saying to me. So occasionally what, what she gets um, uh, stirs her to the place. So let me give you just some clarity if you need it, because she mentioned the speed limit. If you work from the natural, you'll hear what she just said is legalism, because it's about the speed limit. Speed, speed limit exists in the earth. If you work from the spirit world, you'll see that the speed limit is about your heart. Right. You'll, you'll see it from here. It's not about how fast you can drive or how big a hurry you're going to be in. But your but your spirit and the spirit world will inform your natural. And that's the way God wants it to, to be. So if you'll turn with me, uh, please, um, to First Corinthians chapter 10. With that in mind, again, if what you hear says, well, that's just legalism. You're looking at it from the wrong perspective. You're coming at it from the natural and you made it about the speed limit or the blinkers or the don't take anything into the sanctuary other than this. You've made it about what it's not about. It's about your heart and that willingness that happens in the spirit realm, right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7, you'll just have to stay with me, Paul. <laughs> Sorry. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, we walk by faith and not by sight. God intends for us to work from invisible to visible, not from visible to invisible. Okay, we work from the invisible world first and foremost. That's what we're going to talk about today is working from the invisible. And so when we look at the scripture that we have here, first Corinthians chapter 10, notice that it says in the 11th verse, it says, now these things talking about what Moses and his people went through, it says now all these things happen to them as examples. And one of the best ways to, to define that word is prototype. It is a living example that needs adjusted till it's in its final stages. OK, when you make a prototype. You make what it looks like generally and how it's supposed to work generally. But then as you go into the first alliteration of that thing, it's always different because we didn't realize that our widget didn't work together very well with our other widget. And so we had to make adjustments. That's what a prototype does. And they're written for our admonition. We learned last week that admonition is encouragement for the correction. When you are admonished, 
It's not really the correction, but rather the thought process that encourages you to look for the correction. As your children age, you will oftentimes admonish them to think or act or react in a different way or with a different set of circumstances. Okay, sometimes when when little babies are little babies, they cry at the most inopportune times. And what happens is you begin to find a way forward where what happens is they learn and you learn. Okay, and so when you take them out to eat when they're four or five years old, I got a picture of one of my grandchildren and they had one hand on the shoulder of their mom and their feet on the back of the chair. And they were jumping off the back of the chair onto the seat of the chair. I'm sure that the parents were not thrilled based on the look on mom's face. The point being is that sooner or later, there'll be an admonishment. You might have to correct and actually be the instrument of correction, however you choose to do that. But sooner or later, what we do is we admonish them. We say to them, your actions reflect or affect other people. So as teenagers, when we start to do this and, and, you know, we want what we want at the expense of we don't really care. And then we begin to train them that, wait a minute, your actions affect other people. And the possibilities are endless in how, so you've got to get them. That's an admonishment, looking for ways to emphasize that the individual should find the place of correction. That's what admonition does. And, and there are times when it's just really important for us to do that. So this is our reality, using the examples of the Old Testament activity to determine how it's changed. Put that quote up, would you please, Paul? How it is changed by the ever-present ministry of the Holy Spirit and God's invisible realities. We look back into the Old Testament knowing that they were given the Holy Spirit selectively based on the word that was spoken to them. They did not possess the Holy Spirit as a living, active force in their life. So this reality, using Old Testament examples and activity, determines and we determine how it is changed by the ever-present ministry of the Holy Spirit. We do not act nor react, nor have the same building blocks as they did in the Old Testament. We have better building blocks, a better covenant. And so we see how that works. All right. So turn with me, if you will, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice in the 18th verse where it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen. Now pay attention because this passage teaches us what that quote just gave us. The ever-present ministry of the Holy Spirit teaches us to look at the invisible first. When you're over here living in your flesh, you will look at your circumstances and make a judgment about them and then look up into heaven and say, God, what are you going to do about that? In essence, it's called a prayer list. When we live in the presence of God, in the ever-present infilling of the Holy Spirit, we start from an invisible spiritual world that says, in the Spirit, these things have been given to me by God. And so I look through those things into the natural world, and the Spirit informs the natural. That is the way God designed this to work. See, if we have, if we have need in our life... We're over here and what we've done is we've looked at our cupboards and told God what he already knows. There's not enough in the cupboard. 
We allow our need to inform our spiritual process. When we step into the spirit realm, the Holy Spirit indwells us and changes how we live. And so we look from the spirit realm into the natural realm and we inform the natural realm by spiritual principles to align itself with the workings of heaven. If you don't think that's the truth, just remember your early days when you went to church every week and prayed the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, I can't even do that without teaching. Did you know that Jesus didn't teach you to pray that way? I mean, that's because see, there's some things in there that during that time frame weren't exactly the way that the ever-present ministry of the Holy Spirit would have it be. How many of you know when you pray to God, lead me not into temptation, that God's not really into leading you into temptation? Right? He may take you to the doorway to, to, to show you what your present circumstances will choose. But remember, the doorway to temptation flops both ways. If you get too far in, turn around because the door goes out. See, when you find out, well, wait a minute here, I shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be thinking this way, I shouldn't be acting this way, it's because you're too far into temptation. Temptation is not a sin. <laughs> I know some people go, yes, it is. No, it's not. How you believe about the temptation is what creates the sin. How your heart works in relationship to the temptation is what creates the sin, Right? When, when, when temptation comes, desire has to conceive and conception has to bring forth sin and sin brings forth death. There's a process that goes into that. I don't have time to deal with that. Notice it says, we do not look at the things which are seen. First, verse 18, Paul, please. You're working on it, huh? Is it stuck? I'll keep preaching. I looked up there to read it because I didn't turn my Bible there. 2 Corinthians 4.8, are you ready? Verse 16 says, don't lose heart. Man, how many, of us, how many of us lose heart on a regular basis because of what we go through? We look at what we see in the natural and we enter into discouragement and potential depression and, and loss of hope all because of what we see. It then says... In verse 18, it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He says, you're looking at the wrong stuff. You're supposed to be looking at the things that are invisible. You think, how do I see invisible stuff? Well, if you lived where God said you live, all you'd have to do is open the eyes that God gave you where you live. You're seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Take a peek around and see what's happening there. I mean, it's, it's real simple. It's just not easy. He says, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. I'm telling you, this, this idea here is so important because we act like the circumstances that we're in are so significant that they're forever. And, and you, you reveal that by how you talk. Well, things will never change. Well, how do you know that? And I, I'm going to give you an answer to that rhetorical question. You know that because that's what you believe. 
Because what you believe comes out of your heart and you talk it out loud. Well, things are never changing. I got this person, he's resistant to or she's resistant to the things of God and she'll never change. Why would you talk that way? Unless you believe that. You go, well, 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 pastor, I don't believe that. Well, yeah, no, no. See, this is not an argument. I'm not here to argue with what you say you believe. I'm here to tell you that what comes out of your mouth is formulated in your heart and it's what you believe. The problem is not sin. It's the belief system that leads to it being acceptable. Sin is not the problem. There's a belief system that says it's okay to live there. Amen. The primary biblical reality available to us is unseen with natural eyes. The primary biblical reality available to us is unseen with natural eyes. It is spiritual and eternal. Our second reality, natural sight, is temporal. And that is largely all you need to know. It is passing away. Whatever it is you're struggling with, wherever you are in life right now, whatever has captivated your sight in the natural world, all you need to do is get your temporary stamp out. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many ever got a letter from somebody that had one of those red stamps on that? It might say, open immediately. Response required. It might even say, past due. (laughs) Oh, I hate those. Most of those, the stamp is a lie. I got one recently this week. It said, open immediately, response required. Anybody ever open those letters? They want to sell you a warranty for your car. A warranty for your car. How many of you know, I didn't even need to open that? Because the stamp on it was temporary. That car's temporary, man. Do not, now, see, I about said this really strongly. If you want to buy insurance on your, not, not driving insurance, but if you want to buy insurance on your cars, you know, I'm assuming it's going to cost you about what you get back in benefit over the course of time and you just get to pay for it every month and and I got a great idea for you just take the $139 a month that you're paying for that insurance and stick it in the bank and when your car needs something that is covered under that just go to the bank and get your money out there's your insurance policy bless your heart the stamp on natural things says temporary and that's all you need to know whatever you're going through bam Temporary. I love, I, I, may, I may get me a stamp, right? And just every time I go through something, just take that. I'm going to get it in red too, because that really is like, like red is serious. <laughs> Do you know why you have red letter Bibles? Have you ever heard anybody go into all this kind of stuff and, and tell you about red letter Bibles? And oh yeah, well, it's, it represents the blood. Nope, the Chinese invented red ink first. It was the easiest form to make. <laughs> Read your history books, man. <laughs> know why we got paper money? Anybody want to know that one? Sorry. Rabbit! Because oh. <laughs> it costs more 
to make metal money. <laughs> you should melt all your pennies down because the penny copper, the copper penny is worth more than a penny. <laughs> you got 500 pennies and you can get that. Now, it's, it's got nickel in it now. They used to be pure copper, but they're not. But, it, you know, I, the reason I'm telling you this one is because in just a second, I'm going to show you what God provided to the children of Israel. It's really cool. Don't be deceived, people. Natural stuff is temporary. It's always temporary. Always. Spiritual stuff is forever. Amen? All right, here we go. So I'm going to give you a couple of points today about the invisible stuff. Again, what I want you to understand about this is that... Christians who are maturing work from the spirit world into the natural, not the other way around. Are you, are you with me? Anytime you're over here, you can test that by how it makes you feel. If somebody touches your natural and you say, well, you just don't understand, pastor. You've never been in need. First of all, you don't know that. Second of all, that doesn't change your circumstance at all to talk down mine. You say, well, you don't understand. All right, well, Jesus was never married. How does he understand? Jesus never sinned. How does he fix that? He doesn't have any understanding of that. You do not have to experience something unless, of course, you're living in the natural. And then anybody who gives you advice, you say, well, I've tried that. It didn't work. You tried it from the wrong position. You were standing right over here telling somebody who told you about the speed limit that that's just legalism and I don't have to, borrow, I don't have to do that if I don't want to. Okay. Congratulations. When you're over here in the spirit realm, you recognize that the legalism that was worldly is now heart consciousness in the spirit world. And it's not about the speed limit at all. It's not about your needs at all. See, if you'll get that, you'll be able to say goodbye to much of your fleshly living. Because your fleshly living, it's over here and it says this, what am I going to do? The children of Israel left Egypt and lamented the fact that they did not have garlic, turnips, and leeks. Well, thank you very much for that one. I have already given up on the vegetarianism because broccoli is no fun to hunt. <laughs> Just stand still. You can shoot it with a shotgun. It'll fall over. But if you want to eat meat that isn't provided in the grocery store where no animals were hurt by its production. <laughs> if you want to eat meat, you have to go out and chase it down and shoot it. It's harder. I think God gave us those things. When we operate from up here, do you understand that in the spirit world, meat belongs to mature people? It takes some chewing to see yourself operating from the spirit realm and informing the natural. It takes some work, man. You say, well, I'm just, I'm not working. I'm, I, God taught me how to rest. Rest isn't what you think it is. Rest is not sitting in your easy chair while somebody brings you peeled grapes. Help me, Jesus. 
If I'm getting close to you, I just go ahead and jump in a swimming pool and wander around. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, remember, we're still talking about the prototype. We're still talking about the past things. And so the first principle, the first point that I want you to get is heaven's economy and invisible kingdom realities should inform our visible natural reality. If you'll get this, you'll realize that God did everything to make you able to look at the natural world differently than your experiences tell you it should look. You see, the Bible teaches us that we can be in peace when the world looks like it's going to hell in a handgun. I mean, it's a serious deal out here. It's, it's dark out there. And some people will just tell you, well, Pastor, you know it's got to get darker and darker so that the Antichrist can show up. First of all, that's just a bunch of hooey. And second of all, it's not biblical. It's brighter and brighter till the noonday. I mean, to tell you, man, it's supposed... Listen, please don't wake me up from my heavenly reality to tell me about your goofy natural reality. One of us belongs in a rubber room and I'm beginning to find out it ain't me. When you live according to the natural stuff, stuff doesn't go right. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Heaven's economy and invisible kingdom should inform our visual natural reality. Now notice what he said down in, in verse number 10. This, this is the, 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 the second telling of coming into the promised land. So this is all about the example they gave us about how they walked into a natural promised land. The admonition that you need is to understand why they made the mistakes they made so that you can walk into the promised land of full salvation. You were given the same promised land in Jesus. You live differently in Jesus Christ. You live soaring above your problems in Jesus Christ. You live in freedom in Jesus Christ, not into bondage. And so if we look at the mistakes they made, we can then, under that admonition, make adjustments in our life. Are we together? All right, look at verse number 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he... All right, stop. When you get born again, God has you where he wants you to be. And you should stop complaining about the trip that it took you to get there. Are we together? Well, you can't believe what I've been through. Did Jesus not fix all of it when you got there? You're now a new person. Go ahead and give up on the past. It will not do you any good to get a $400 suitcase with wheels on it to carry your past with you. It's dead. You say, well, no, it's not. I'm still suffering from it. The only reason you're still suffering from it is because you keep watering it. You water it by reiterating, by, by speaking over it, by watering it with the words of your mouth. And the world will teach you that. If you, if you go over here, and I'm not opposed to any of these programs I'm about to, about to deal with, <laughs> but if you go over here and all you ever are is a sinner, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You're not very saved if you haven't changed your identity yet. Sinner to saint. You know, and when, when it happens, it's not a progressive slide. One day you were a sinner, next day you're a saint who occasionally sins because stupid catches up with you. 
And when you get into your sainthood, you'll realize that sainthood has some responsibilities. And you go from saint to steward. And you'll take care of God's stuff. And when you graduate from stewardship, which most of us haven't, you go from stewardship to sonship. And you'll realize that you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. And even fewer people realize that when you understand sonship, you enter into kingship. Yeah, I knew that nobody would go, what? Wait, what are you talking about? Five places in the New Testament, it tells us we have crowns and we are kings and priests unto our God. How many of you think living as a king is different than living as a son? Oh man, is it ever. You can't get that over here. Because see, you'll get the kingship thing over here and you'll lord it over people. When you get kingship from the spirit realm, you'll become a servant of all. It's so different. I didn't come to teach that. When God releases me, I'm teaching that to you all because I'll know at that point that Jesus is close because I've had that message in me. And he says, wait until I tell you. And I think that, that the last stage of revival in the church is the understanding of kingship. So just hang on. 6 and 10. He says, It shall be when the Lord your God brings you. God brought you to this place. God brought you to this land. God brought you to this, this location. God brought you here. He said, The land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful seed. Now get ready. Cities, get ready to underline. Large and beautiful cities... Are you ready? Which you did not build. The children of Israel were called into a promised land where there were cities they didn't build. Meaning that when God called them in there, he provided for them everything they would need. When he called you into salvation, he provided for you everything you will need. You didn't build this plan of God. And you didn't get it by going to the right place specifically. He says, give you a, a, a large that you did not build. Verse 11, please. Houses full of all good things. What would they find in their promised land when they got there? Houses they didn't build, cities they didn't build, and the houses will be full of stuff. They didn't do any of that. When you come into the promised land of salvation, what's awaiting you there is something you didn't have anything to do with. When you live over here, you say, well, I got to get me a bigger house. I got to get me more stuff because you're in the natural realm. When you're in the spirit realm, you'll see where God is leading you. And when you get there, you'll find all the stuff waiting for you. That's the free stuff, which you did not fill. God gives you stuff, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Hewn out well, I love this one. Hewn out wells, which you did not dig. It is awesome. I don't want to dig a well. You understand that if you dig a hole deep enough in the ground to get water, it's a big hole. <laughs> Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. He provides for you in your natural promised land with the Egyptians and with the Israelites, natural things. But we have to see that with the admonition. How do we correct that? Well, we're not going to a natural land. We're going to a spiritual place. But it still includes those things. Then it says in the 11th or 12th verse there. When you have eaten and are full, verse 12, then beware. 
Notice it says beware. Watch carefully over your attitude to preserve your understanding. Watch carefully over your attitude to preserve your understanding. Okay. How many of you work for a job? How many of you get a paycheck? Go ahead. This is response time. You get a paycheck. How many of you get your money from the job? Careful. Careful. If you get your money from the job, you'll be stuck over here. But if you get it from God, your spirit world will inform your natural. And your boss will give you a raise. And you'll make more than you could ever possibly think of. Because that's how good God is. That make sense? You get over here and you say, well, you know, I go to go to my board, which, by the way, I'm not, not I don't think I've ever done that here in 25 years. I've never asked for a raise. I don't believe I don't remember. I'm getting old. So just just go with it. But 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 I never ask why, because they understand they represent the character of God. And so the character of God every once in a while, they say, hey, we decided to give you a raise. You didn't decide nothing of the sorts. (laughs) I'm living over here and I've been trusting God. And God just told you what you should pay me. Because my money comes from God. All we have to do is have God speak to our boss. Might even be more important to let God be your boss. But there you go. Does that make sense? He says, beware. Watch over and preserve this understanding. That it comes from God. They walked into this land and they got the stuff... That God left there for them that the other people built. That's the natural explanation. The supernatural is God's going to speak and this is going to work. Notice if you would again in the 12th one. Beware lest you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Guard this attitude that lets you see from the spirit realm that everything belongs to God. That makes sense. His kingdom realities from the invisible world inform the natural world. So then the, f- then the focus is not be, I left out a word. The focus is not to be on what you receive and how to get it. See, if you get over here, if you get over here in the natural world, you'll figure out how to work better, smile more, you know, kiss up to your boss, do whatever you need so he'll give you more money. How many of you know your focus is on money? You need more of it, so you got to kiss the guy who's got it. When you're over here, you'll focus on the giver and how God works through the natural world to bless you. See, if our eye is on he who provided it, whole different picture. Because guess what? God knows what you need before you ask. So stop asking and say, God, help me understand this. So that I can connect with the spiritual realities that are affecting my natural world. Boy, I'll help you. Okay, point number two. So the first point was heaven's economy and invisible kingdom reality should inform our visual natural reality. What is not seen becomes what we see. Right? Faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for. We, in the spirit world, we see these things that exist in heaven, in the spirit realm, and God is pouring them out into the natural realm for your benefit. 
All right, second point. We do our economy and money handling primarily based on natural sight and perception. We do our economy and money handling primarily based on natural sight and perception. If you listen to the news today, the news will tell you your groceries cost more. You did not need to know that if you're buying groceries. See, the information is not what's happening here. When, they, when you watch the news and they tell you, it's getting, they're going to tell you how bad it is and how bad it's going to get. And by watching from the natural, you'll put faith in how bad things are going to get. If you work from the spirit realm, you can operate from a level of blessing that's completely unrelated to the natural world. You see things. You can live in crazy land that we probably should call God's promised land for saved people. Okay, let me ask you, you all have got a job and some of you didn't know whether God was giving you the money or whether your employer was or whatever else you were doing because you couldn't see that God was giving it to you because you work for an employer who's not even saved. You know, and so you're going through all that, that kind of stuff. But how many of you know that if God owns everything for your employer, he owns everything that's yours? But if you live over here, you will have, you will have segmented what you say belongs to you. You'll segment it. Well, this is what belongs to me. It's under my control. When you go over here, all bets are off because God owns everything. If he tells you to give it away, it's because hidden for you in the promised land of salvation is a blessing beyond anything you could ever produce yourself. Let me show that to you. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember, this is an example, right? Okay, I got uh, 12, eight, 8 minutes. Are you ready? Verse number one, every commandment, this Deuteronomy 8 and 1, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply, go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your father. So what did he say? He said, listen, make sure that you pay attention and go and be what God has called you to be. That's the first part of it. And if you keep reading down there, verse 2, it says, you should remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years. This is a terribly painful scripture. God wanted the character of the children of Israel to be corrected to such a degree that he wandered them around for 40 years when it was technically an 11-day walk from point A to point B. They weren't doing the leading when they were wandering. God was. Boy, you got to see that. You say, well, now wait a minute here. Are you saying that God used their 40 years of past to inform their future? Well, yeah, because he, they, he admonished them. So what did they do in their 40 years? They whined about water. And when God got them some water from the rock, it wasn't the right kind of water and, you know, did all kinds of things. And then they ran out of the food they wanted and they didn't like the stuff. And so God rained manna down on them, which might be really awesome to eat heaven food, but not for as long as they had to because... So then they cried out for meat and God gave them quail. Psalms 100 and... I don't know in the middle hundreds. He gave them so much quail that it came out their noses. <laughs> Golly, that is hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to give you so much that it'll just come out of you like vomit. Man, that's a good picture, isn't it? You say, well, wait a minute. You could have overflowed by choice. 
instead of overflowing by that. The principle's the same. They overflowed. Okay, you'll get that. Go back and listen to it and you go, man, pastor, that was a good point. They overflowed. See, when you choose human ways to respond to what the Spirit does, you go over here and you'll be puking up God's stuff. Overflowing. Or you can just choose God's stuff and adjust your attitude by admonition, right? Being admonished and say, I don't want to make that mistake. I'm going to be grateful for everything God gives me. I'm going to live in thankfulness for everything God gives me. I'm not going to complain and want, oh, no. See, they complained. They complained about the water. They complained about the vegetables. They complained about the manna. They complained about the meat. And it took them 40 years to get through it. Sounds a little bit like Christianity. Notice he says then about verse uh, um, 4, I think. 3. Middle of 3. It says uh, he allowed you to hunger and get down there. And it says that he might make... You know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So over here, in the natural, they didn't like the water, they didn't like the vegetables, they didn't like the manna, they didn't like the meat, and they didn't like the walk. Over here, had they seen it, they might have seen God developing their character so they could be thankful for all the things they complained about. See, that's the admonition. Right? They went through all kinds of things. A whole generation of people died. And I don't know why somebody didn't figure this part out. The Bible says their clothes didn't wear out. Neither did their sandals. Now I got to tell you, from my birth point until I was 40 years old, my feet kept growing. Evidently, in the children of Israel's time in the wilderness, so did their sandals. Just a thought. What did they do? They probably whined that they hadn't had a new pair of shoes in 40 years. Are you seeing this? If you look from this side, you see the miracle that God did. When you get over here, you say, well, I don't like this pair of shoes anymore. They're 40 years old. And when you get to be my age, you'll say, please give me a shoe that lasts 40 years. <laughs> because now I, I got some dress shoes in my size, whole cow size and my dress shoes cost $200 you say why do you buy them well because I can because I started over here and I looked over there and I no longer try and squeeze my size 14 into a readily available size 12 that occasionally goes on sale you know that size 14 shoes don't go on sale they just don't so I walk in, I, I buy my clothes at a big man's store, and their shoes start at 13. If you wear a normal size shoe, you should not go to my store. They don't have any shoes for you. But they got all kinds of shoes, all the way up to 18, triple E. There were some honking shoes. I'd like to have some shoes that don't wear out. I'd like to thank God for those things. But when you see it, well, my shoes cost $200. If you see it from over here, you say, thank you, God, that you spoke to the people that I work for so that you could get them to give me more money because that was your intent for me to buy $200 dress shoes. So you see it different. And you just thank God. You say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Verse number seven. 
So you, you, you live out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You got to be on this side to get that. Can't get it over here because you're living out of everything that proceeds out of your mouth. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water. The things they complained about, as you're going to see right here, the things they complained about were readily provided by God in the promised land. How long can you put up with bad water if your walk is only 11 days? But when you complain, your 11 days turns into 40 years. And at the end of 40 years, you die. And the non-complainers get to go in. He says it gives you brooks of water, fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills. Now look at this. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil. By the way, for there to be olive oil, somebody had to manufacture, squish the olives, get the oil, package it up so you could walk in and have it. And honey, you have to steal the hives from the bees. Somebody else got bit harvesting the honey so that you could have it. Oil and honey, verse 9, a land which you will eat bread without scarcity, waiting for you as you look from this side in the natural is bread without scarcity. Yep, there is. Bread without scarcity. If you live in the natural world and you look at a lack of bread, you will say it's scarce. You will actually forcibly disagree with God's provision for you because you live in the natural. Land which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing. If you stay over here, all you can see is what you lack. If you go over here and look through the provision of God, all you can see is that there is no lack. The two positions are completely at, 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 at antithesis of each other. They're completely opposite. Only thing that changed is the lens that you saw it through. Over there, you see it through your lens, measured by sight and perception. This is not enough bread to go around. But when you see it over here, you see it through his perception. And it'll be without lack. Can you imagine not knowing this and walking in? But he told them what would be there. I'm just telling you, when they walked in, if they were even moderately... How many of you remember, they left Egypt with piles of gold and stuff from their neighbors. God told them, hey, go ask for stuff because I'm going to send you out of here. And so they left with their pockets full of stuff. And when they got there, God had more stuff waiting for them. It's just interesting. Look at this in the middle of verse number nine. A lands whose stones are iron. Okay. Hidden in the promised land is things you could never expect unless God tells you they're there. Iron was extraordinarily important in those days. Then he said, stones are iron out of hills whose hills you can dig. This stuff was there and the people who were living there didn't know it. Do you see that? 
God hid right under the enemy's nose something for you in your promised land. You can, now, if you refuse to dig, you'll never get the precious metal. Keep chewing. Whose stones are iron, on whose hill you can dig copper. Remember when I told you to melt down your pennies? In your promised land, God hid those things of value for you, not from you. When you've eaten or full, then you shall bless the Lord your God. Verse 11, beware lest you don't forget. See, we forget that God did this. We take credit for it. We stand in our own strength in the natural world when things go our way. Rather than saying, wait a minute, God did this. He told me this would be here. You know, when you got born again, people told you that your life would be blessed by giving it to Jesus. And when you got there and got born again and circumstances changed because you hadn't been yet taught to live from the spirit world in the natural, you said, well, this isn't such a blessing. You stayed in the natural world and you said, this isn't a blessing. He said, you should bless him. And it's a blessing. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Lest, verse number 12, lest when you have eaten and are full, have built beautiful houses and dwell in Didn't he tell them there'd be houses there for them to live in? They got so prosperous that they left the house that was left for them and built bigger ones. By the way, God doesn't care if you build a bigger house. It's all right. Just don't forget where the stuff came from. Build beautiful homes, dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, notice that God's plan is for that multiplication. Your hot flocks and herds and your silver and your gold are multiplied. And all that you have is multiplied. And when your heart is lifted up, oops. When you enter into pride because of all that you have, that's when you left your spiritual perspective and took up residence in the natural. And you say, look what my hand have done, has done. Skip down to verse 17. It says, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hands gained me this wealth. If we're going to talk about, about spiritual finances and have this money talk, you better quick realize that everything belongs to God and he wants you to operate from that position into the natural, not from the natural into the spirit. One of those ways works wonderfully. One of those ways keeps you in bondage. He says, my hand... The power of my, the, my power and my power of my hand, the might of my hand gave me in verse 18. And I'll close with this. Come on, music team. And you shall remember the Lord, your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Going into the promised land, he told them to make sure when you find what I told you, you would find there. Make sure and thank me and to remember that I'm the one that provided those things for you. See, when he said, when you go into the promised land and you find what you find that I said would be there, make sure and thank me for it. It's he, God, who gives you power to gain wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to his fathers this day. For us to walk in the fullness of salvation 
is God's responsibility. The only responsibility you have is to use your heavenly filter and to look from spiritual into the natural so you can see what God provided for you. When you stay over there, you'll only whine and murmur and complain. And the example we have is it took 40 years to cause death to come to the complainers. If you're 40 years old in your Christianity and you're still complaining, your promised land is not yet realized, not yet full, not yet in that position where you can say to yourself, wait a minute here, I found what God left for me in the promised land of salvation. I did the admonition. I looked for the correction. And the biggest correction that we got today is to remember that when you get there and when you begin to feel satisfied and filled and oh, God has been so good to us that you don't take credit for where God has you. That you remember that God gives you that power to make wealth. That God takes you there and he has a specific purpose to fulfill what he promised you he would do. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, would you please? We thank you, Father, for this day. We just bless you, Lord Jesus, for what you do. Thank you, Father, that in this teaching about the natural promised land, that we find a heavenly promised land, a promise of salvation, Father, that brings all these same things to us. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.